0: Today, we're speaking with Luke Watts. Hey, Luke, how are you?
1: Very well, thank you for having me.
0: Now, Luke does many, many different things, but we're gonna be focusing on a really interesting organization that he has, which is called The Cancer Coach. Luke is the founder of The Cancer Coach. It's a one-to-one cancer coaching that supports from diagnosis during treatment and recovery. And we'll talk about the evolution and the development of the Cancer Coach as an organization and what Luke is trying to do there. But before we get there, Luke, tell us a little bit about yourself and your career.
1: Well, thank you very much for for having me. Um, Essentially, over the last decade, well, probably longer now, 12, 12, 13 years, it flies by, right? Although the gray hair is uh, a bit of a mark. (laughs) Exactly. Uh, I've been involved in working with people with chronic diseases. Um, I've been working with some evolutionary uh, exceptional medical practitioners who uh, have understood through their own private practice uh, that um, intervention medicine in terms of what you would get treated at the hospital at that moment in dire need, when it comes to chronic illnesses, isn't necessarily the only answer for a full recovery and ultimately a a life, uh, a a long life free of any future chronic illness. So I'm involved in um, uh, putting together uh, uh, clinics and wellness centers and treatment centers, mainly in Asia, uh, where they have a more liberal attitude towards towards medicine, uh, where doctors are trained uh, as part of their training in things like traditional Chinese medicine and Ayurvedic medicines, as well as the latest Western medicines. Many doctors actually go to the UK, the States, Australia uh, to actually get their uh, their training and then they will complete their training in, in one of the countries in Asia where they get a more holistic understanding of how the role of nutrition diet um, um, uh, exercise movement um, emotional well-being uh, good quality sleep they're they they are more holistic in their approach to uh, um, um uh to to health and well-being and uh, we've been treating cancer uh, we've been treating heart disease we've been treating immune conditions and other metabolic-based conditions. Uh, we've treated drug and alcohol addiction, um, which is an interesting side, but actually when you want to get into the detail of it, uh, is, is essentially the same. It's, you know, ultimately um, it's a chronic disease. I think that's kind of accepted. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, treating it in just one vertical. So if cancer may be considered to be treated a little bit too medically without mm-hmm. much uh, understanding of the of the wellness aspects and the diet and, and sleep and emotional well-being. Uh, drug and alcohol addiction traditionally has been treated a little bit to talk therapy and yeah. have a real understanding of the physiological yeah. uh, impacts of abusing a drug for over a long period of time. So I, I like to think that over a decade in all of these practices, I've tried to bring a little bit more balance and understanding of where, you know, in order to get full
0: Uh, Yeah, that's really great. I mean, I have a friend who's an architect, and he's very involved in kind of redesigning hospitals. And I think he's doing the architectural piece of what you're talking about, which is how do you make a hospital not an institution, but a place that is something that is designed for wellness. It's a fascinating evolution of kind of a Victorian era hospital structure to what it could be today.
1: Absolutely, and in, um, pre-pandemic, I'm calling from the UK, pre-pandemic, 80% of our hospital beds were actually patients with chronic diseases. Mm. And except that a chronic disease risk factor is 90% lifestyle and environment, mm. that, like you said, and uh, we do still have some of these Victorian-style hospitals here, but being in that sedentary position, lying on a bed with the strip lighting, being fed pretty poor food, Um, is not conducive to recovering from a chronic disease. So even though the hospital... Is attempting to do its best by you in chronic disease circles, it's actually probably not the best place. Yeah.
0: Well, I spent a ton of time in the UK, uh, did my A levels there, went to grad school there, worked in London for many, many years. So, as much as I love the NHS and wish we had something like that in the United States, I could tell you some horrific hospital experiences. <laughs> uh, but we'll deal with that on another day. You know, I love what you're building here with the cancer coach and tell Tell me a little bit more about how that's shaping and where you guys are playing right now.
1: Absolutely. So during the, the pandemic phase, we still had our uh, medical treatment center, and um, whilst a client is part of our treatment protocols, which include all the lifestyle interventions and, and education, whilst you still have them in that environment, they're pretty compliant, right? You know, we're giving them the food to eat, they're exercising when we're telling them to. You know, you've still got that relative compliancy. Uh, Where we found the challenge was, is when people left our facility and went back to their country of origin, it wasn't easy to maintain it. So we, we had a aftercare service. We had a facility where we would be looking to connect with people post-treatment to make sure and really help and support them that they were sticking to the, the, the great steps that they made whilst they were visiting uh, our treatment centers. Mm-hmm. And then when the pandemic hit and people couldn't travel to our facility, even though we had a what, eight, 10 month waiting list, right. we wanted to continue to evolve the, the coaching aspect and and we had to pivot and one of those new words right pivot we had to we had to reconfigure our uh, business away from you're going to come to our center to get access to all this holistic medicine to okay you probably can't visit us so you're going to probably be exposed to things like chemotherapy radiotherapy and surgery as your three primary choices sometimes you can get some immunotherapies depending on country and region but ultimately a lot of these treatments come with uh, inherent side effects so what could we do as a service provider now you can't come to visit us what could we do to come to you through telehealth and remote consultations what could we do to offer you support in your own home through say telemedicine and mm-hmm. video conferencing to reduce side effects of treatment reduce complications of treatment um you know improve quality of life deal with those quality of life issues that are quite common such as loss of appetite pain right emotional distress, uh, insomnia, uh, all those. Yeah, so that, that, and- and I love
0: that. The fact that you've been able to explore, develop, pivot, so to speak, and offer that type of a solution is great. You know, we've seen this area of telehealth. I think it just offers so much promise and it's fascinating. I think everyone was trying to utilize it during the pandemic for everything from a cold to- you know, severe situations. And I'm just hoping that we keep pushing on that idea because I think as a patient, right, you're going to feel safest in your home. And I quite often feel like, and maybe I'm wrong about this, but a lot of times the questions and the concerns are easily remedied. Talking to an expert and you can explain something and that alleviates the stress and calms the situation. I love it.
1: Absolutely. And, you know, I think I'm always at pains to try and explain that what we do in terms of health and wellness coaching for people with cancer, it's not there to replace your primary treatment. You know, they, they are still the people that are going to be doing the intervention medicine. But we know through evidence base and things that have been going for many, many years that there are ways in which you can take responsibility and be empowered to change your lifestyle, what to eat how to exercise, how to get good quality sleep, how to get the coping areas regarding stress, anxiety, and depression. And that's what our coaches do. We work one-on-one very much physically, you know, uh, specifically focusing on those areas of quality of life that are being compromised you know, during treatment and then into long-term uh, recovery and, you know, and ultimately to try and reduce the risk of the disease coming back.
0: Luke, I feel like you are the trend in a way. You are a huge trend here in the sense that okay. there is clearly a push to be more holistic, more focused on total wellness, holistic wellness. When you look out into the landscape today, what are the key things that you're seeing as the areas that people are really trying to push into in this wellness movement?
1: That's a really good question. And I think it depends on you know, um, to what degree, you know, are you looking at on a condition by condition basis? Yeah. What I can say about cancer is, uh, and you refer to the NHS, which is a, a, a wonderful institution. We're very, very grateful. It, it is under a hell of a lot of pressure. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't think it was necessarily built for the purpose that it's in right now. You know, it's mm-hmm. a very institution. And as I say, chronic disease is a, well, is a more of a lifestyle-driven Uh, disease as opposed to anything else. So I think people are being more understanding of their life choices and particularly diet, that seems to be the one that most people focus on, you know, I and mean, in cancer, there are definitely food groups to avoid. There's definitely food groups to 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 enhance. There is, you know, um, there is no magic formula. Anybody that tells you broccoli sprouts is the answer or blueberries or celery juice, they know. Uh, it doesn't work like that. Uh, oh, it, darn. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> So all of you that are just about to juice your celery, your blueberries, and yeah, but in, in isolation, it, 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 I
0: figured that if I had the piece of chocolate cake with you know a blueberry, that it would somehow balance out. No, <laughs> uh, well,
1: you've actually come across, I, I, if you don't mind me, just so uh, kind of hijacking what you just said there. Um, the, the, the role of the cancer coach is not necessarily to educate, because I remember a doctor telling me many many years ago, you, We know. Green salad is good. Chocolate cake is bad. Right, right? we know that at a real, real core level, we know that. What people want to work with us for is that they want to know specifically what can I do, and more importantly, how do I do it in my environment, in my circumstances? Right. And you're not going to get a guy who eats meat three times a day, even though he's got cancer, to then become raw vegan. It, it, right. He might do out of fear. But as soon as he can get back onto his regular diet, he will. So behavioral change modification as well. I just want to kind of put that in there. It's not just about providing the information. It's trying to get people to build quality, longer-term, sustainable habits that we know have shown time and time again can actually help anybody uh, throughout a cancer journey.
0: Now, it's an interesting one. We talked a little bit about the pandemic before, and it was such a... Fascinating moment on so many levels for the medical profession, certainly a crisis that impacted everyone on the planet, but also one that perhaps sometimes this doesn't get covered, which is perhaps people that had larger health issues outside of COVID, perhaps they weren't seeking diagnoses, perhaps they weren't getting treatment and recovery. And just be curious to see how you guys saw that. I'm just obviously giving you a layman's perspective, but curious to kind of hear what you saw in the market.
1: Absolutely. I, anybody who's been diagnosed or has or believes that they're, 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 they're going to get a cancer diagnosis, they're going in for a scan and they're waiting for those dreaded results, etc. The, the, the escalation of fear and of anxiety is unbelievable. You then throw in the whole COVID episode, yeah. where health institutions around the world were incredibly uh, overpopulated dealing with that pandemic. And with the greatest will in the world and saying that our our great people here in the NHS and other health institutions around the world, you know, people with chronic diseases and people with cancer were not getting the screenings as much as they wanted. Their treatment episodes were being pushed back. And Mm -hmm. as as importantly, I believe, anyway, personally, is um, there was no aftercare. Mm. It really was. Anybody that was leaning a little bit towards trying to support people post-treatment, as soon as the pandemic hit, gone they really had to focus on what can we do right here right now okay get your chemo you've done your chemo please good luck try and go back to your life the best way you can we'll yeah. see you in two months and those people were just left and they felt so abandoned right. so cancer coach found that we were really filling a space for them we were giving them that continuum of care continuum of support helping them to rebuild their lives helping them to take power uh, back to themselves that okay i can influence my disease outcome and my treatment outcomes based yeah. on what I eat and everything that we've already said. So I think it was that area of tremendous fear and anxiety and anger that comes from having to go through cancer. And then the, as I said, the, the medical system just not be,
0: with. Yeah. With, I mean, I had a situation where I drove a friend to the hospital and they wouldn't allow me in you know they wouldn't allow people in that were not getting a procedure which certainly makes complete sense from a pandemic perspective but from the area that you play in which is really the wellness perspective and that broader perspective my god the stress that these people were under right facing the medical establishment on their own <laughs> right not easy
1: and and you 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 know the stress was two ways. I mean, we have you know, I, I have some amazing friends who are doctors, people I work with, colleagues, and you know they also felt incredibly agitated and aggrieved that they yeah. knew they weren't able to. I mean, they take the Hippocr- the Hippocratic oath, right? Do no harm. And due through no fault of their own, they felt that by not being able to support these people as well as they wanted to, they were causing unnecessary harm. So it goes both ways, you know. It was the it was the professionals as well as the the people that really suffered uh, through this and uh not that i want to get too political on your show but you know i don't think we've seen the end of it right i, I think most most virologists agree that there will be others in the future and um you know well, we, we
0: now have monkey pox. there you go well, yeah, I mean, you know, it's,
1: it, it, I think, I think that it, it, we are where we are. And, and I don't mean to try to bigger what we're doing at the Cancer Coach. And I mm. welcome anybody who wants to come and join us and, and help do this because I can only see you know, from the UK alone, there are 2 million people that have already finished cancer treatment. Uh, there's yeah. probably there's 10, 12 million people in the US. This isn't a business where we're worried about market share. Yeah. If you have ideas, you want to join us, you've got some things you want to do where you think you can support people with cancer through holistic well-being, you know, I'm sure you're going to put my details on there. Just get in touch. I mean, yeah, like-
0: I mean, we'll definitely go through that. I mean, Luke, it's so needed because anybody who's had a family member or has gone through this process themselves, there's just this incredible anxiety just to understand part of what you're gonna have to go through, right? You'll work with doctors to talk about chemotherapy and you'll talk to them about any procedures that might need to be done, but nobody really tells you that broader story and the challenges. And so you guys putting that into context is extremely valuable, extremely helpful. And something that is, it's almost surprising that, you know, here we are in 2022 and we're just getting to the point of thinking holistically, but there you go. Now, I mean, as you look forward, Luke, I mean, in the marketplace and what's going to be happening in terms of cancer care and offering that hope more holistic solution, what do the next 18 months look like for you?
1: So we have got some tremendous projects that are in the pipeline that we are building on from what was really quite an analog business model over the last two years of working with people individually through remote healthcare. But we've collect, we've done, we've been working with so many people now that we've already started to identify trends. Mm-hmm. Now you get me today. We've actually just moved to a new corporate headquarters at uh, Queen Mary's University of London, and we've been invited to work with them, and so we can take a more uh, academic research approach to what it is that we're actually doing mm-hmm. and in our hope over the next 18 months that the trends that we have found anecdotally through our own research mm-hmm. is going to actually be quantified through academic study at the university and then what we're hoping to do with the university level is to build on those algorithms and the machine learning capability so that we talk about It's not just the information people need, it's what do I need and how do I do it? And it's the machine learning that we have, where we have our database of content of 12,000 hours of content, that we will be able to learn more about how our clients are interacting with the information that we're providing Mm -hmm. and fine tuning, not just what we're saying, but also the delivery, you know, some people like to read, some people like to do video, some people like audio. So Mm -hmm. all these kind of mechanisms we're really excited to get into. And our hope is we have an app already, but again, it's kind of, you know, it requires a lot of human input on both sides. Mm -hmm. It is our hope that through the wearable devices that we have the APIs integrated to where we can map things like resting heart rate, uh, blood sugar levels, sleep, cycles and the way in which people are interacting with our lifestyle guides we're going to be able to create a very unique pocket companion we're going to be able to have something that is almost going to be able to fit exactly with you know what it is that you need right here right now we've seen a spike in 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 in, in insulin uh, yeah. what what does that actually mean let's have a look at all the other factors and you know be able to ascertain what part
0: You know, I didn't even think about that, Luke. And you're so spot on. And I love that you're doing this, just the the mountain of data that you're going to be able to provide and actually marry that together with maybe the prescriptive data, the procedural data, the operational data that a hospital or a, a patient would have. I mean, wow, it's going to be a fascinating moment to analyze that at scale and see where things are going to be shifting. You know, if somebody wanted to find out more about what you're doing at The Cancer Coach, where's the best place to find you?
1: Well, the website, uh, the thecancercoach.org. Um, just use the contact there. Um, you can email me directly. I mean, uh, it's luke at thecancercoach.org. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, of course, anybody who's interested in, in in using our service, get in touch. We're working with insurance companies. We're working with workplace wellness organizations as well as actual treatment providers. So anybody that's connected or working with people uh, with cancer, you know, get in touch. I'm sure there's a way that we're going to be able to enhance your service. And if you're just somebody with an idea, uh, somebody who's who maybe has gone through cancer themselves or a loved one and gone, I wish I'd only known dot, 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 or I wish we could yeah. do we built all of our technology, everything's proprietary, meaning that we have 100% agility of where we actually want to take this product. And if somebody has, you know, if we think of a way that we're going to be able to help more people, we're saying we're talking millions here, millions of people are struck yeah. with these every year. There's enough there for everybody to be able to. to to showcase their passion and talents.
0: Yeah, no, I mean, this is an incredible, Luke. I'm so happy that uh, I've had a chance to speak with you today and to learn more about what you're working on. We've been speaking with Luke Watts. He's the founder of The Cancer Coach. So one-to-one cancer coach support from diagnosis during treatment and recovery. They're working on a lot of really interesting stuff, certainly as this has evolved over the last several years, but also now applying all of that data to coming up with a better model, even a more holistic model that actually can pinpoint acute opportunities to improve the solution. Luke, incredible work. Thank you so much for being on NK today, and we look forward to having you back. Thank you very much. Anytime. Cheers.